Hello and welcome to the ET PhD team podcast, the podcast here to help you with your relationship with food and body by giving you evidence-based techniques to support yourself with a sprinkling of feminism, a dash of dismantling diet culture and a side of vulnerability as we share our own messy lives with you. I'm Emilia, a registered nutritionist and PhD with the sole purpose of making your life happier and healthier. If you love it, please do go wild and share it. And if you're ready for support with our coaching, details are in the show notes. Hello and welcome to episode number 291 of the ETPHD team podcast with myself and Roz. Hi Roz, how are you today? I am good. Actually, I was going to say I'm cream crackered. (laughs) I said that earlier and I made myself laugh too much. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sometimes you say stuff not you but like I do this and you say something and you're like oh my god am I 95 like this that happened do you know what I said the other day what <laughs> I said willy-nilly I don't think I've ever said that in my life but it just seemed fitting and I was like hang on <laughs> oh no I, I mean I'm here for it well I'm sad that you're cream crackered but hopefully you can go to bed after this podcast maybe because obviously yeah, is my last podcast at this time zone so um that's exciting so it is that is exciting can't wait to see you in real life again and by the yeah. way can i just put a disclaimer out there if there's any like background noise today my i'm at my mom's house and they're getting the roof redone and there's just like i keep thinking someone's breaking in i was just doing yoga and I had to stop twice because i could swear someone was in my house but it's just the roof people doing the roof so if there's any background noises that's what it is just random men crawling around my house I'm just looking at them right now trying not to make eye contact as you do um how are you Anna I'm good thank you I've had a lovely morning so yeah no no complaints great and also please note my valentine's mug that my niece got me well, how cute is that oh I like the handle the handle by the way is shaped like a love heart I like that a lot Oh, that's cute. I had, I treated myself for Valentine's Day to um, some pastries from my favourite pastry shop. What are they called? Bakery in Edinburgh. And I, but foolishly, I got an almond croissant and then a rhubarb and custard thing that looked delicious. So I had half and half and then obviously almond croissant's always going to win. So I had half and a half and then I was like, oh, I'm just going to have the other half of the almond croissant. So I had that and then I decided to do yoga because that was the only spot that I had to do yoga. And every time I was in down dog, I was like, Ugh. I mean, worth it. But it was a temperamental session to say the least. Between that and then the men clearly breaking into my house, I was having a very relaxing time doing my yoga today. Can't win um, Do we have anything wildly wildly exciting to start with before we go we are wild people and I feel like everyone gets that vibe we just have so much going on in our lives it's just like crazy time for us all we just don't share any of it clearly um okay let's get started Roz do you want to go first yes there's actually a question from one of my clients so at the moment, I'm thinking about what I want and how body image can prevent it. Would be interesting to think about the topic of self-worth. Is appearance really important in how you evaluate your self-worth? Is body image the problem or your own actions and choices? Ooh. Ooh. Is it really important how you evaluate your self-worth? So... 
I don't self-worth quote-unquote should not and I use that term you know with my quotations should not be in a self should not be dependent on the way that we look like it's our self-worth again should ideally be if you have strong self-worth you have an inherent knowing that you are worthy regardless of your achievements your body weight the way that you look etc and and that's what we would deem as as having a strong self-worth or you know a healthful self-worth so if your self-worth is dependent on your appearance then I would say it's it's helpful to work on your body image so that eventually as you continue to find peace or neutrality with your body you recognize that that is a distinct thing it's a distinct factor away from the worth that you feel that you have is <laughs> i think it's 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 one of those that i would put it in the same kind of sense you know when you're working on your relationship with food and start feeling better about your body like I think you can work on body image and start feeling like self-worth improves and, and vice versa and I think often when people come to us that self-worth is conditional like I'm only worthy if body looks a certain way like particularly with the majority of my clients that are coaches that have that ideal that they're trying to fit in um but what we want to shift towards is like Amelia was saying like I am worthy regardless of how my body looks and hold it more as a value because then it's it's not going to fluctuate with your body changing um and you can ensure that your actions are always in line with well I'm, I'm worthy regardless yeah I love that I think as well, I don't think, I think this might be a different client. They asked me earlier in the week, or they commented earlier in the week that when they were growing up, they got a lot of comments about their appearance. And as a young child and teenager, those appearance-based comments, compliments, they took that as their self-worth. So maybe as well, it's also recognizing what beliefs maybe you have or like old influences of like relationships, friendships, where you given compliments based on your appearance or or like I love you because you look like this that's not a good example but <laughs> like maybe in the past experiences you've felt your self-worth was due of appearance and maybe now it's kind of like seeing the separation of the two as you both said and loving non-appearance-based compliments as part of that work as well do you remember those posts that we put up I think you did one Roz I definitely did one and it was sarcastic like non-appearance based compliments people were raging at me because they didn't understand the sarcasm and I was like <laughs> I am joking like it, they were like around like people pleasing and stuff and people were just I mean social media at the moment for me I open oh, a slippery <laughs> slippery game for me to be involved in at the moment but I'm just thinking back to that time that's traumatic but you are right I think like not just compliments towards you about when you're growing up about the way that you look and being celebrated for that but also like the models around you so if your parents let's be really heteronormative here right if your dad always said to your mom 
like always commented on her body size or was really affectionate towards her when she was dieting or you know whatever you witnessed you can interject that for yourself and then have that belief even though like objectively that maybe wasn't said to you and of course growing up in our society which is slowly changing but we have especially millennials but of course this is on on through all generations for women we have been told almost every single day as a woman you are more desirable and more worthy if you if you look a certain way so it's not like you're broken because you associate your self-worth to your body most of us have experienced that and most of us I still think have to do the work to unpack that sometimes um because it's easy to slip into and if you think if you're going through a hard time or uncertain times you go to um like what feels natural and safe to you and when society is like body 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 that's what you're going to most likely cling to to try and find that those feelings of self-worth again because it's a story that you're told over and over again every single day it's just something you said there now um on sunday night don't know how i avoided this right whenever it was released i watched the devil wears prada for the very first time (laughs) i've seen like no movies like my movie education's terrible it was actually my boyfriend was like you'll really enjoy this and he said it with this like mischievous (laughs) mischievous <laughs> look in his eyes <laughs> so he did. and then like, the first five minutes they're talking about dress sizes and she's like this size I don't know I think it's the equivalent of a UK 12 or 14 and like they're saying basically like she can't work there and I was like I'm so glad I didn't watch this when I was like <laughs> and I was like I don't think they'd be allowed to have a movie like that now so they wouldn't or like they'd get so much oh they probably do but it wouldn't be as they probably would get those criticism for it or something. So they would, yeah, but... or they would make it more obvious that they're that they were not saying it was okay. You know, like they might have it, but they would have a stronger message throughout it of like fighting back against it. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, so when that came up, my boyfriend was like looking at me to see my. Reaction. <laughs> <laughs> There's like... a month's worth of content in that film. Right? <laughs> yeah. Except if you start posting about Devil Wears Prada, people are going to be like where has she been for the last two years? (laughs) Like, it's not like it's just come out. Is there a remake? Um, Great film. It's just on Netflix. It's just on Netflix, guys. Um, Okay, Anna, question. Is it okay to change the order of exercises in your training sessions if equipment is unavailable? And if so, where is best to start? Yeah, otherwise what are you going to do? Like spend two hours in the gym waiting for something to be available. I, to be honest, I, you got two options. You can change the order of stuff or you can just pick an alternative for a similar movement pattern. So in general, unless you're training for like, if you're a powerlifting competition or there's something sports specific that require you to do that. um, Like if it's something like barbell shoulder press and there's no, back or no barbell can you do dumbbell can you do single arm kneeling um can you do landmine like there can you do a machine I would just swatch 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 swap them around like that um or of course you can just swap the exercise time around but I wouldn't I really wouldn't overthink it at all and I say this as someone who definitely used to overthink it when I was competing they'd be like oh but I need to you know maximally 
exhaust this muscle group before I then go on to this muscle group because that one's weaker. And honestly, honestly, I think the difference that something like that makes is slim to none. Um, and the difference that spending another half an hour in the gym makes because you can't get in because you have to go at peak times and you can't get on what you want um, has a much bigger impact on your life than, you know, switching an exercise out or around. I think the only thing I would say is if it's like a first exercise or one of the earlier ones, try and stick to like whatever's programmed for you, try and stick to a compound movement just so you're using more and getting nicely warmed up. Yeah, like if your first few lifts are mobility, don't just go into like a squat and then come back to mobility. Like those types of things you want to be more mindful of. Um, okay, tis me. Routine and mindful eating on night shift, how night shift affects your body. Mm. Uh, really sorry, but you go, Ros. <laughs> I know, I was gonna say, I've got quite a few clients on night shift at the minute and I'm learning how it really varies for people in terms of some people get an allocated break and some people don't. And what I'm learning from that is, and maybe I was a bit naive, okay, so I'm holding my hands up. I just assumed everyone did get an allocated break and they had time, so therefore they could be super mindful, sit down, not get disturbed and practice, you know, grounding breaths, practice like pausing, bring all those mindfulness tools in. But I've now realized the reality, <laughs> so I have, and it's not like that for a lot of people and often they're getting pulled away from their, their break or like they have to eat on their feet, standing, things like that. Um. So it's more that I just want to say I really appreciate that what I'm learning as a coach is we can give you all these tools, but your environment can really, you can have all the tools, but your environment can still dictate. And what I've been thinking about is actually like some radical acceptance for some of these with people is that when you've got all the right conditions and you can be mindful and sit down and have your pause and bring some grinding in and um, prepare your meals as well. Brilliant. But when you're on a night shift and everything's kicking off or whatever you're in, also not berating yourself that you can't have this perfectly mindful moment and some acceptance that this is the scenario and the environment. It didn't really answer the second part of the question, but that's just my two cents for the first part. Like that. Also, thanks for bringing radical acceptance back into the forefront. I've not thought about radical acceptance in a little while. And it's, I used to... I think I used to say acceptance almost every single day. And then recently, like it's not been something at the forefront of my mind. So thanks for that. The side note again. Mm. I, like you, was like a bit naive to what night shifts really involved and how little time there often is. Um, so with my clients, we often focus on, okay, like setting yourself up in the day. Like when your night shift is, is finished, you have normal breakfast, like largest meal before you go into the night shift and then slightly maybe dependent on the goal but in general it's just kind of snacking on fiber maybe some fats maybe some protein um one of my clients puts in a um like bum bag like some trail mix and just because she stood on her feet a lot and like doing notes that'll be her time where she can um have a have a bite to eat but yeah, the acceptance side of things and just like imperfect action, isn't it? It's okay. I know I need something and this is like, these are the conditions that I'm in. 
So I'm going to do what I can with what I've got. Yeah. And I think like giving yourself a break in that, like for some people, especially if you do night shifts and then day shifts and then night shifts and then time off, and then it's consistently changing. Um, you might be someone who maybe struggles a little bit more with the tiredness and then the tiredness induced snacking. And so for you, it's probably going to be more important to have alternative snacks and to also make sure you're having that big meal before you go. But for other people, I used to work with a doctor and this is not what I'm saying that you should do, but I used to work with a doctor who um, was a physique athlete as well at the time. And she found it much easier to not eat while she was on shift. She was like, I don't get hungry. I don't get a break she ate more than enough like during her days and she she found that that was best for her and then I've got other people who work nights who have to be much more intentional with having more of their own snacks available and I think we spoke about this in the group recently because in the ETPHD monthly group because um there is an element to this of we always we always of course are focused on number one relationship with food we always have an overarching value for you and for us at ETPHD of health. And if we're looking at kind of optimizing health, we're looking at supporting your relationship with food. But on top of that, with um you said in the question something about like how does it differ or something? Um, like you do get shifts in like metabolism overnight. So you have higher gastric emptying rates in the morning, um, greater beta cell function, which is responsible, um, there are the cells in your pancreas responsible for in part blood glucose control um there's difference in the postprandial glucose response i.e the glucose response after a meal and there's also differences in diet and diet induced thermogenesis i.e the increase in, in metabolic rate that occurs once after you consume food in a nutshell right so these things can vary do vary in the morning and at night and if you look at shift work um you will see less positive health outcomes, some less positive health outcomes in people who do shift work. Now, most people who do shift work are the most important, valuable, you know, highly respected, at least by me, people in our country, because often it's the jobs that are really essential, key workers, etc. Um, and so I hate to say, I hate that narrative of like, oh, well, shift work is just unhealthy it's not but because of these shifts Anna you obviously kind of hinted at when you're looking at snacks focusing more on like protein and fats and if we're looking at those biological differences in terms of metabolism if I've worked with someone for quite a while and their relationship with food is in a good place like like the doctor I was telling you about then we might look more at things like okay let's try and shift your um, meal patterns around a little bit or your food choices around a little bit. So you're having more of those, you know, protein and fats in the evening overnight and um, when you're working and more of your carbohydrates um, relatively more during the day, just to kind of align with that circadian rhythm um, and those metabolic differences. But for a lot of people, you might just be like, I absolutely do one. There's no chance I'm going to be living off protein and fat overnight when I'm stressed. And especially if you're, especially if you're someone who struggles with your relationship with food, introducing rules like that is not what I'm recommending I'm just saying awareness of this depending on where you are in your journey can become quite empowering after a while but it's not a rule it's not even a guideline it's just once you've moved through some of some stuff maybe 
the inclusive, empowering approach to your nutrition might be looking at those choices next. I was just going to add as well, um, even like when I worked in hospital wards, I noticed this and it's not a criticism, but it's from what people tell me. I think there's a bit of a, I don't know what the word is, like the stigma of night shift that um, a lot of patients will give them chocolates and snacks as a, as a thank you gift, as a way to like keep you going. And from what my the people I work with tell me, like there's a surplus of these higher calorie snacks or themed nights, like let's get a Domino's or let's get like KFC delivered or things like that. And I think some of the people that I work with, they're frustrated because they're working with us and they've got this incredible knowledge, but they can't overturn their whole team. And like, and I always say to them, you're not expected to either, but then they also find that they're individually going against the green. So I think it's just like, recognizing that as well that it, it can be exhausting to like always have to like go against the grain and things like that and it's just maybe coming back to what non-negotiables can you have for your night shift and when can you also still like be part of the team as well I love that you can't deny like the social impact of any of this stuff side note entirely have you seen that Domino's cookies now have Domino's cookies with a cream egg inside you might not see this in the show Ross, but Anna's clearly very excited have you tried them yet no because I have to go and get them I can't get it delivered and that's a big barrier for me yeah I've not either I was thinking um, the Domino's for Valentine's Day for myself but I've Emma and I have eaten out the last couple of nights and it's been such delicious food that we like we've been eating to the point of like oh my god I think I've, I've pushed fullness just a little inch too far but there's so good meals so now I'm like I really nothing appeals to me less than a Domino's which is really sad time so I'll wait maybe a couple of days and then the desire will be back and then it'll be Friday night rather than a Valentine's Day night I was just gonna I don't know if this is an Aussie thing or if it's in the UK um Willie's here do um Biscoff stuffed hot cross buns I one of my friends in uh I think she's Sydney she put it on her story and I was like oh yeah no we don't have that here oh. Roz trust me I would be on it have you had it have you had them Roz I haven't tried them yet. I'm going to wait for um my boyfriend's a bit of a Biscoff connoisseur. He claims he liked it before it became popular. <laughs> God, I'm the I was the first one to discover Biscoff, not anyone else. <laughs> He's not back for two weeks, so I'll try, I'll I'll put a picture in the group chat. Give okay. you a rating. Yeah, feedback. Um, okay. Mm, Roz, question. Okay, this is one of Katie's clients. As I'm spending more time with this practice as a 39-year-old who wants to find a partner, my question is, when is there a good time to start dating? Um, if you want to, no. Like, yeah. what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? I say this as someone who is 37, who doesn't particularly like dating. I'm obviously currently in a relationship, but like, dating was never like particularly easy for me and I didn't particularly love it um but but I do think that if you want to meet someone you have to be intentional with it you like I really do believe that especially as you when you're in your 30s or in your 20s when you're not at school or uni anymore or you're not in a job where there's people that you can meet you have to be intentional with it regardless of your age um I think like I probably said this before I think it was like 2019 and I remember saying to my friend like this is it like I'm going to start being intentional with dating and I'm going to 
I'm going to start having more fun. I'm going to take t- more time off work. So I'm enjoying myself more. I look, I put a lot more into like my self-care and I don't mean like aesthetically, although that was part of it. I just mean in every way in terms of how I was eating, just everything, resting, sleeping, spending time with friends. And I, honestly, from that point onwards, I did find I was dating a lot more. I mean, pandemic aside, <laughs> um, I did find like that really helpful. And I think what like what is it that you're waiting for because if you are thinking to yourself okay when I have healed my relationship with food then I will date there is that risk of dating is maybe not something that you're super excited for and a really good way to put that off is by putting off healing your relationship with food subconsciously you're doing the work and all of a sudden you're like oh I don't know why but I just I know all the stuff but I'm just not putting it into place anymore and there's that, I, I use the term like self-sabotage, however you want to frame it, that's what relates to a lot of people. And when you have like this end goal of when when I get to this point, then I will do this, this like kind of scary thing or this kind of new thing. Um, the best way that you can avoid doing that is to start dating now. And also like dating can be fun. And also you need to figure out what you like and what you don't like. I guarantee your choices in, in partner now are very different to your choices in partner five years ago. And like, I think that that takes some time of experimenting with people new before you realize like, oh, this is what I want or this may not be the right thing. Mm. I would also like completely, completely agree. If if you're feeling that way, then absolutely go for it, get started. But I would also explore what you're looking for before you start going like start dating like what you are looking for from dating um like what's worked in the past what hasn't worked in the past so that you can be mindful of the type of people that you date um and I don't want this to sound like an attack by any means but are we dating because we want to be dating or are we dating because we feel we should or because we feel we're lonely like they're really important things it does sound like the end goal is to meet someone but then I guess it's like why do you why do you want to meet someone I, I was just gonna add I I absolutely love it when I work with someone and then they start dating because I'm just like I just think it compliments everything so much because it also you can get a whole new twist and like what your values are because maybe like they might change or actually it's another way to kind of like double check in them but dating opens up ways to explore your relationship with food in like different settings and like different influences and it can really like complement that work it can complement intimacy work it can complement body image work I just think I just love it and I'm in relationships so I just love hearing about all my clients dates and live vicariously through them as well. <laughs> and also allows you to like do some of the work in terms of like setting boundaries and like reducing people pleasing and all these things that maybe in past relationships you've always done or haven't done and then you're like oh it feels like this feels like I should articulate something here this is new and then actually starting to do that agree Anna um in my early 40s and feeling lost regarding clothing styles any suggestions I feel like there is nowhere I can shop without either feeling too old to be in there or like a frumpy old lady the thought of change rooms and trying clothes on fills me with dread well I'll tell you what 
if I see one more TikTok telling me, oh, it's so obvious if you're a millennial because you wear your socks sucked into your leggings, I'm going to lose my mind to don't look there. Like, I've not been wearing socks tucked into my leggings since the first time I saw that TikTok video two years ago. Okay, leave us alone. There's definitely like, there's definitely this narrative. And I see it on TikTok because TikTok for me is non-food, non-fitness, it's usually comedy sketches and, and stuff like that in general. And um, I see a lot of like, like almost like shaming people in their 30s and 40s for like, oh, if you were a millennial, you you probably dress like this. And it's like, no, actually, I've never dressed like that. Thank you very much, Gen Z. Like, that's not what we do. And it's like this collective, like, I can so tell that you're a millennial. It's like, good. Why would we not want to be a millennial? Like, the, there's nothing wrong with being a millennial. Anyway, that's a side note, I guess. Um, I, I mean, I don't know about you two. I don't go into shops really because I don't enjoy the experience. Um, there are certain brands that I think are. I don't think there's any brand that should be like an age-appropriate brand. I think it's like, what's your personal style and what feels comfortable for you? And that can be quite a hard one to figure out when you hate going into stores and you hate and you feel uncomfortable or you feel uncomfortable in your body. It can be harder to find like your own personal sense of style. But I do think getting inspiration from other people is fine. Like if someone's wearing like trousers that I love, usually they'll have tagged them because it's usually on social media. But if they haven't, I will happily message them and be like, where do you get your trousers from? And then just look into that website because it's usually a website, it's usually not a store. And then scroll on there. And I think there's an element of like, a lot of stores will not use, you know, women above the age of 24 to model their clothes. And you kind of have to just kind of detach a little bit from that in that we're all in different body sizes and we're all different ages. Just because the model is 24 doesn't mean that the clothing is for a 24 year old. Um, so you kind of have to detach a little bit from that. Mm -hmm. um on TikTok, I can't remember the name of the account, but this lady who's like in her 70s came up and she's wearing what a Gen Z person would wear, but that's her whole TikTok is like her wearing, like she's in New York City, it's really cool. And she's wearing like a crop top and she's like 70 and she's got like a 70 year old's body or whatever. But I think maybe finding that exposure, like find some people like in your age category that you do like their style, because if you're just seeing these two different styles maybe you just need to just like the way we say with body image expand the diversity of your feed mm. I also was going to suggest depending if you don't want to do the online shopping to get like a personal stylist I don't know like how like available it is but now and again again they, they crop up on my Instagram um but I think you can do it online as well as in person like there's there's freelance stylists but I think there's also apps I can't remember the name of any of them and then I think you send your measurements your coloring and then they kind of like suggest things i think there's like a subscription as well yeah Anna, you what's the one you used well stitch fix are now i think they've called themselves outfittery um oh. but genuinely i loved it I, I think i used it for about six eight months um and like you were saying Ros, it just broadens like stuff that i wouldn't typically go for and then because i've kind of given measurements and body shape-ish um to them I was like oh do you know what it actually looks all right and anything I didn't like then you just send back so it's all good mm. I still remember the picture of you in your blue dress from there <sighs> you look like a an angel I mean not that you don't know that. 
but they and that and that was exactly that was one that I was like no don't do color don't do pattern don't do I, I think it's I don't know what you type of sleeve or whatever and then as soon as I put it on I was like oh my god I'm a girl <laughs> <laughs> it was beautiful I also like a big proponent of like once you find a store or a style that you like like I cling to it because it's so hard I think to find stuff that you like that when you do find something that you like allow yourself to get a couple of things that you like and don't just because it's hard because we're all like I'm a bit like I don't like to I don't like to spend loads of money on clothes in general I'm not a big that's not a big value of mine um and I also don't love the, the the impact on climate of just fast fashion. So I don't buy, I try not to buy fast fashion. So when like Skims is kind of, Skims is like my brand at the moment where I'm just obsessed with it. I think it's fantastic. Skims and Lululemon are pretty much all I live in at the moment. And I'm like, okay, I know like I only went in for X, but I really like Y and Z. And then I'm like, well, I never buy clothes. Allow yourself, if you do find things that you like, I think allow yourself if you can, with if it's within your means, to buy maybe like the other thing as well and know that those things are going to last and you're not going to get to the point in a couple of months when you really need to find something to wear and you hate everything because it's always when you need to get something you hate everything and when you don't you're like oh that's nice but you don't want to spend the money or you can't spend the money um so I, 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 that's something I've learned as I've got older for sure and just to add on that by sustainable shopping um if you like a brand then just search them on Vinted, you know, yeah. like if, if once you know like your sizing of the brand and you really like it, because I really like like free people or like Lululemon and you can get generally as well, not stereotype, the people selling that clothes are still in quite good nick, quite good quality. And top tip that I found for my sister, if anyone's got kids, on Vinted you can buy bundles of baby grows for like 10 quid. Nice. And like, you get like, and Jill's like, well, they're going to like, grow out of this in a few weeks time. And she's like, this is brilliant. But um, just a comment. This is my mom's top. I wear a lot of like my mom's old clothes from the eighties or stuff like like I love like thrift shopping. But if you want a specific occasion, that can be frustrating because it might not be your size. But um, it can be a good way to experiment as well. Mm. Yeah, I've got this coat of my mom's, and it's like a Versace coat, and I think she paid like fifty pounds for it or something. Like obviously a long time ago and she like had to stitch up the holes and stuff like that and it still it sits in my in my coat cupboard and I'm like I used to wear it all the time and I haven't worn it in a while I'm like that's a Versace coat like wear it and it was only 50 pounds and I'm like those are the best purchases cost per wear is just fantastic all my mum's old clothes are like such good quality because I like because I think just back it just gonna be annoyed back (laughs) (laughs) but I think there wasn't fast fashion was there they just they made something and like it lasted. I've got loads of mum's old. She, my granny, did give me a fur coat, which I haven't worn in public because I really worry that someone will like chuck paint over. But I was like, this is like a hundred years old. Yeah. <laughs> the thing with like fur coats is like when it's an old coat, like what are you supposed to do with it? Because what's more wasteful, wearing it even because it's already been made, or what? What can they recycle it? I don't know. It just sits there. Yeah, I'd be the same. I'm even like I'm really worried someone like listen to the podcast and be like well it's got a fur coat <laughs> <laughs> oh you're not wearing it. it's fine you're just thinking of the best sustainable thing to do for it um okay I want to say Ross is it your question yes um okay so now I'm one of Katie's clients in the moment ways to manage negative body image 
My favorite way is like thought redirection or mindful moment, coming back to the present moment. However you want to frame this, you can do it. Um, For example, if you are, I don't know, washing the dishes and you, you start to think, I shouldn't have eaten that. I feel really bloated. My, tight, my trousers feel really tight, something like that. But you're also washing the dishes. Then coming back to having a mindful moment whilst you're washing the dishes of, oh, how does this water feel on my hands? What does it, well, hopefully it smells nice, like, like washing up liquid and not like, I don't know, old grease. Um, Like how, like, what can I see? What can I taste in my mouth? What can I smell? Like coming back to the present moment and, and almost like training yourself to have that negative body thought and come back to the present moment. That's generally my go-to. And I, and by the way, I use this technique for anything that I don't want to be preoccupied by. So for me, it's, for me, it's not body and food stuff anymore, but I might be preoccupied by the troll comment that I got. And I'm like, nope, don't allow yourself to have that, to do that, come back to the moment, come back to the moment. So that would be my go-to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I, with clients, I'll often do it for my, similar to how I'd do it for me with an anxious day. And if my mind's going off, then I have my hair bubble on my hand and I just, right, that's just to bring it back to the present and then do something like Amelia was saying, like replace the thought with gratitude, with appreciation, with anything that just completely switches it away from um, those negative thoughts. Yeah, I don't, for body image, I don't think there's much more, unless it's kind of like the, unless there are, there are times that you're super aware of when it's happening like okay are you finding that those thoughts are coming up when you're getting dressed in the morning okay can you do it away from a mirror and then check in with how you look or if it's in the shower okay like treat that like a, a mindful experience and focus on the sensations of the water rather than like how you're looking um and also letting the shower, like I know this is going to sound a bit wasteful, but letting the shower run for a little bit so the mirror's a bit steamy, so you don't even see yourself. No. I have to do that just to heat up my bathroom because my bathroom's... Well, so same. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. I don't have much more to add. Um, I just find like saying stop, like, and sometimes I should just say it out loud. And it depends on who you're with, but just actually kind of like name, like just naming the beast as such so just like calling out the thought and sometimes like I say it out loud like what the thought is and I'm just it's as if I just have to release it and then I just like redirect one of the examples you say or an example of body functionality as well yeah and I think also maybe coming back into your body so what you're thinking is kind of in your head right so your your negative body image is coming from thoughts in your head can you move away from this cognitive heaviness to more of a somatic felt sense so again it's kind of similar to a mindful moment but can you take some deep grounding breaths can you notice your heart beating can you put your hand on your heart can you notice the sensations in your hand what does it katie did something on the somatic podcast of like i think it was that one where it's like what does it feel like to to have a hand she's like look at your mm. hand what does that feel like and i remember a comedian who I will no longer say his name years ago when I was watching one of his YouTubes and he sort of did a similar sort of tool and I think it's from Eckhart Tolle like they talk about this sort of stuff 
but like really coming into your body and just and do like a quick body scan so um you know running from your toes all the way up to your head what does it what does it like what sensations do I feel in my toes what does it feel like to have my my feet on the ground what does it feel like in my legs and just move your way up do I have any sensations in my belly is there digestion going on is there little bubbles um etc and moving your way up your body I think moving out of your head into your body I think that's a great tool for any kind of in the moment dysregulation okay last question um Anna <laughs> can't relate any general tips on ways to stop yourself overthinking example overthinking losing your period isn't going to help and will probably add to stress also just general stream of thinking about stuff always makes me unable to relax fully when trying to relax a lot of the things that we've just spoken about will be really really helpful for you it's very similar um i think i think like also looking at the benefit of these things so something that we cover on binge breakthrough i think when it comes to body image is like what what benefit do you think it is providing for you to criticize yourself for losing your period what like, do you think that that's going to motivate you to change do you think does it confirm your belief so that when other people criticize you you've kind of got ahead of the game or does it feel comfortable for you to criticize yourself because people have criticized you for your whole life and so that's just what you do and that feels familiar to you so that feels safe to let go of or to move through a habit, which is effectively what it is, it's a habit that we've all normalized. Um, but to let go of something, we often have to figure out the purpose that it's serving in the first place. Um, so I would consider and journal on like what benefits is this providing for me? And is that actually helpful? And and is that actually true? For example, we know that. People with low body image often think that if they're critical of themselves, it's going to help them motivate themselves to exercise and lose fat. And actually, we know the opposite to be true. And people who are more compassionate towards themselves have a greater intrinsic motivation to exercise. Um, they're less likely to feel like a failure when they have a setback in their diet. So they just continue on eating like normal rather than overeating. Um, but we think that if we're arseholes to ourselves, we'll be more motivated. But you have to challenge that belief. I was just going to add, I'm going on, I'm going on more yoga training next week. And I had to do some pre, pre-reading, pre-reading. And um, this is like the reality sutras. So these are like texts that go back to like 5,000 years. But I just think one of the sutras that they've translated to 2024 languages, there is no suffering. And basically we all create our own suffering. We all create stories. We create dramas or we exaggerate. And by like, by reliving these things in our head or like by telling ourselves our stories, we, we're just creating suffering for ourselves. And with overthinking, we're either creating the suffering twice because it's gonna, it's either gonna happen or it's not gonna happen. And I know it's easier said than done, but I think just reminding yourself that this overthinking is causing you the pain, so it is. Mm -hmm. And just how can you bring yourself back into the, the present moment? And I hope that's not too woo-woo, but I know I was reading like I'm gonna go through each of these sutras on every ETPHD yoga session for the next yeah. like. I love so. what 
I love when yoga teachers do that and they just bring out like just a little bit, not talking all the way through with stuff, but just like bringing things in and you're like, yeah, that resonates. Because obviously sometimes it resonates and sometimes you're like, that's not for me today. But other days you're like, yeah. But it's the Buddhist principle too of like pain is suffering. No, pain is inevitable. Suffering is a choice. And I'm very mindful of that phrase because some people are going through really hard times and, you know, certain things that have happened in my life, I'm like, is this toxic positivity? Is this denial? Am I avoiding the hard stuff or am I just choosing not to sit in it and suffer because the pain is already so obviously there? But I think the phrase itself of like pain is inevitable, suffering is a choice. You can take that how you want to take that and you can use it how you want to use it whilst being aware that like of not invalidating things and avoiding things and you know, not berating yourself if you are suffering because something's very hard because it's not an easy thing to just say, oh, okay, I'm not going to suffer now. But mm. the awareness of like what you were saying, Ros, is I think really important. Okay, great questions, everyone. Thank you both so much. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And as always, if you did, please do feel free to like, share, subscribe and review. And if you would like to chat to me, then you can find details of my Instagram in the show notes.